Hello Waterloo Road fans, it's Tom here, your podcast host, just popping in before we get going to talk to you about the Patreon page. Patreon is a subscription service where you can sign up and get extra content from us, your podcast hosts, including Waterloo Road awards, looks back at particular characters, and our reviews of other school-based shows, including the ever-popular Britannia High. I would like to extend a warm thank you, as always, to our existing Patreon subscribers. So, thank you to Hannah Louise, who would like to shout out NHS Mental Health Services. Thank you to Tom Percival, to Matthew Kumar, to Georgia Leah, aka The Avocado Bath, on both Instagram and TikTok. Thank you to Joe Buckle, to Emily Berry, to Eliza, who is on Instagram at Multifandom, which is mxlti.fxn. DCM, and thank you as well to Ryan Jones. Your continued support is much appreciated, and if you would like to join those lovely people in subscribing to the Patreon, you can do so via patreon.com slash waterlooroadpod. Thank you very much, and now let's get on with this week's podcast. And welcome to another episode of Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. I am Tom Beasley, your Waterloo Road superfan, joined, as always, by Luke Stevenson. How are you, Luke, today? I am fine, thank you very much. I went for my first run in about eight months this morning, and I am slowly waiting for my legs to fall off. (laughs) Usually there's some point in the couple of days after I go on my first run for a long time, I will turn... deadpan to my daughter and i'll say to her can you cut my legs off and she how always... do you how do you wait for something slowly i don't know <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to wait slowly is to wait for a longer period of time i don't know <laughs> this is not the point tom the point is that my legs hurt pity me tom pity me my poor legs in my post run sweaty days i had to make sense of this episode of television <laughs> Which seems like it's eight episodes of television hastily smashed together. All, all telling wildly disparate stories. <laughs> At which point we get, this is like, spoilers, but like in one of the later seasons of Lost, they just, they spend an episode set 300 years before everything we know. And it's all just about the mythology of this place where we're at. The whole show just stops to do that. And in this episode, they do that to reveal there's an actual play area at this school. It's not just the pathway in the car park. There's an actual play area where people can go and do sports and organised activities, but they just decided that it never exists. It's a sort of strange, like, jail football pitch, though. <laughs> it's, it's almost 100% not on the location. Yes, <laughs> Of where they shoot the school stuff and they decide we need to do football, but for some reason the pitch, we can't do the pitch. Uh, it needs to be football with some added grit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It needs to be like when people fall, they fall hard. Yeah. I remember crazy. My- it's like there was a there was a, a, um, a sequel to the football hooligan film Green Street. It was called Green Street 2, and the utterly ludicrous plot was that some of them were in prison after the riot at the end of the first one. And they were in there with members of a rival firm. And one of them was going to get transferred to another prison. And in order to get transferred, they played a football match against each other. And that was on a pitch like this. (laughs) Okay. The most glorious thing I ever saw was a guy I went to school with, you know, I think he was about 11 years old and he thought he was all that. And we were playing one of these pitches in our playground and he decided that he was going to do a little dink up and do an overhead kick on a granite pitch, oh, no. right? But don't worry, he he spent his time being either a Wolverhampton Wanderers fan or a Liverpool fan. So as far as I was concerned, he had it all come into him. <laughs> so he, he does this, he lands on his back and the teacher comes over with pure sympathy to say, oh, are you okay? And I was just like, what the, he just, just look around you. This is a place of learning. And that kid just did a overhead kick on granite. I really don't want to talk is, about this episode. Is, is, is he okay now? I know he's still a Wolverhampton Wanderers and a Liverpool fan, so, <laughs> so no. So no. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, so this episode begins with... So, lest we forget, last series, Eddie's big envir- environmental epiphany, where he was forced to get rid of his people carrier and drive a more um, environmentally friendly car. Like the massive Volvo estate car he's now driving into school. I, I think I've made that point before. He replaced it with a very old estate car, which must be less environmentally friendly for that. And he finally starts to see a problem with the play area and path also being the driveway into the school. Yes, yes. Soon, soon enough, throughout you know the ten series, I reckon when they bugger off to Scotland, because that's what happens in this show, they will. It will be because they go. Do you ever realise how bad it, badly this was planned? That we made the main walkway into the school, also the driveway and the play area. Should we just go to a different school in Scotland? Yeah, yeah. Let's do. Let's do that. We have. We have got the football cage. We could use the football cage. <laughs> no, no kid will find fun in a football cage. <laughs> um, so yes, Eddie is head teacher because uh, Rachel is in London at a conference. Um, they take it very seriously. It's, it's very much the 25th, is it the 25th or the 23rd Amendment, which signs the president out of power up until <laughs> he gets signed back in. It's very much like Eddie is like, I now rule this place, which is just like, <laughs> no, no, he's just he's just stepping in. Like, um, So the first thing he's told is that there is a uh, traveller site um, on, it's not quite, it's on the school land, but it's not quite clear where. Again, <laughs> mythology. Even <laughs> more land. Maybe it's the land that they were, like, building the new building on when Stuart was on the scene. Possibly. Or is it um, where, is it where that baby's buried? It, it seemed like it might be. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Eddie What a sentence to... I just said. What a I sentence. <laughs> And it wasn't even strange, really. Um, so uh, Eddie goes to the traveller site. Um, there is um, conveniently, lest there be any misunderstanding, there is some sort of liaison from uh, who's there to talk Eddie through the process of enrolling these eight new traveller kids into the school for however long they're there. I didn't. Did you? I learned something from this. I didn't realise this was a thing that when traveller communities arrive places that the kids are supposed to go to the local school and they have a legal right to go to the school but not be fully enrolled in it. Uh, I think I sort of knew that. I don't think I put much thought into it. but I know that at all. Um, so uh, <laughs> Janice arrives. And she gets a wanding that I'm going to say is about eight times too long. She gets a what? A wanding. I... I, I I dare to ask. <laughs> she stands. She goes through the security gates. She stands. A wanding. A wanding. Okay. What did you think I said? Well, no, I thought you said a wanding, but I was very concerned about what that meant. She stands at the security <laughs> gates. She stands like Jesus Christ, and then she gets a wanding, and the wanding goes on for months. Yeah, it does. Um, but it, it's so that we could get the full impact of the song by the feeling they play, and um, so. Yeah, so she's doing that. She's showing off uh, her her breast augmentation. She's got buttons undone on her shirt. Um, Kim immediately, basically, uh, tracks her down and tells her to stop drawing attention to herself, which feels like again. I wonder where progressive Kim has gone. It's going to come come up a lot in this episode, and I think the next one too. But Kim was always quite a progressive force at this school. And suddenly <laughs> she's this weird Puritan. Like she spent six months with Andrew in Rwanda. And suddenly. <laughs> and it's not even for like, it's odd because you'd think she would go back to the episode that happened a couple of weeks ago with the glamour model. And she'd make a similar point there, which is just like, it's your body. You can do what you want with it, but don't demean yourself for all of these people if you don't want to or whatever that might have been some kind of salience of a point but she just didn't like the fact that other people were getting distracted by it yeah and it's just like what's no it's on other people to not get distracted by other people's bodies a person's body is theirs to do whatever they want with it and you're not allowed to be distracted by it that's the rule kim but kim's just like you're at fault for this yeah. Now, then, I wonder if you have a similar school experience i do because there's a lot of girls wearing the little tie 
Joe, it's like it's got it's long around the neck, it was down, but the tie itself is very, very little. And there was a certain type of girl who was allowed to carry that at school who got away with it. And they are now all exclusively personal trainers with about five to eight thousand followers on Instagram. <laughs> Every last one of them. <laughs> you see, obviously, as I've discussed, I went to an all boys school, so I didn't have this. Um, there were some quite incredible ties. The, the most popular tie was the enormous knot and the tiny tie coming out the bottom of it. Okay. That's a, that was, that's a guy thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it is. You'd it? think <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be more Freudian to make the length of the tie longer, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> like, what are they saying about the massive knot? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the, what the end goal was. I think it's just... I think it was more like, how do I make this uniform look as ludicrous as possible? Mm. I, I was very. Like, I, I think it's less. How can I make myself attractive or allude to the size of my penis? And more, <laughs> and more. What's the what's the style that the powers that be would like the least? I don't. It's not some kind of like rebellion against the man. They were 14-year-old boys, Tom. Everything they did was about the size of their penis. <laughs> um, so Kim's uh, sort of ranting to Steph about how the media's got a lot to answer for. And then she sort of looks at Steph as if to say, am I right? And then Steph calls Kim Mary Whitehouse, which I think is a good point. Um, Who is Steph's Mary Whitehouse? Mary Whitehouse was a uh, famous uh, advocate for censorship, particularly in uh, media such as films and television. Okay, now I'm not talking myself up here, but in what world does the character of Steph that we know know that, but we don't? But I don't? <laughs> because Steph is of an age. Okay, so it's kind of like if you were Steph's age, you'd get that. It's not like yes. a learned thing. Exactly, yes. yes. I don't want to like... 90% of the fun of this show is me assuming that I'm smarter than all of the characters in it. And if that starts to break down, I'm not sure if I make it for the rest of the no, six it's series. In, it's, it's entirely b- because we weren't alive. That's the reason. Okay. That's... Cool. <laughs> um, so uh, the show then has to make the requisite uh, repellent arguments about the travellers. So we get Grantly Budgeon. I don't understand how they can justify keeping this character in anymore <laughs> so he has his rant about oh we'll be swamped with theft vandalism and litter he refuses to use the word travelers to that to the show's credit it has both tom and matt call him out for being insensitive in fact as a whole i think pretty much every character with the exception of grantley and some of the kids are very tolerant towards the traveller community. It's what I thought was quite interesting about this episode. This episode is a total mess. But, you know, considering where we would place the politics of this show, and particularly the politics of the time, is this this show is, in this episode, far more progressive than I'd say the majority of the country at large right now would be. Like, do you know anyone who would casually, you know, if you mentioned that there was a traveller community, would ever say anything nice about it? Well, exactly. Like this was, this might even have been before, like um, my big fat gypsy wedding and things like that. Yeah, which you know almost completely shaped the way people thought of the traveller community. But like, like I, you know, grew up in a, in a relatively smaller town, and like right now we're in a kind of like a, a small town in as part of a larger city. Like you know, even if you don't follow local news, you know immediately when there's a travel community, traveller community somewhere in the town. It, every, every single NIMBY is up about it. They have a problem with it immediately. And it, I just thought it was quite interesting that the show was just kind of just like, no, no, no. You know, we have been wrong about so many things, but out here we're just going to go, hey, things are, things are cool. You live your life how you want to live it. And I just thought it was quite interesting that even as we are now in 2021, I'd say that the show is probably further ahead than where a lot of people's attitudes are. Yeah, and I, I, I also, I found that quite fascinating. Um, so we get uh, Never Miss a Beat by the Kaiser Chiefs, which is a great track. Very pleased to hear that. Um, as uh, Eddie goes back over to the Traveller site, um, there is a uh, 14-year-old Kyle is there working on his, his quad bike. Um, Eddie points out that he should be in school with the others. Uh, Kyle's not very keen on school. He basically says, I don't do well with school. I'm probably going to cause trouble. Um, but Eddie's in full every child matters mode and so it brings him into the school 
Hell yeah, Blair and Balls. <laughs> What's that, Brown and Balls? I mean, every child matters was Balls when he was education secretary. So uh, all of the, the traveller kids uh, go to the, the breakfast club that the school has. Somehow the breakfast club has been like cleared out of sausages because there's eight extra kids there. Like, yeah, this come is on. Poor, poor catering on the part of Candice and Rose. <laughs> Yeah, unless they go right, right, each kid is allowed this many sausages, and that's how many sausages we're going to prepare. <laughs> it's, 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 it's sort of implied as well because it, it's Paul who misses out on a sausage, and it's sort of implied that that's like his supervillain origin moment. <laughs> 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 that's why he hates traveler kids. Coming in, nicking our sausages. <laughs> yeah, he missed out on his morning dose of possibly protein. And <laughs> A school a school sausage has no protein in it. <laughs> Sausages themselves barely have protein in it. Yeah. Um. So Kim is sort of uh, taking the the, the traveller kids to their various lessons. Um. She takes one to Steph, and Steph can't think of anything to do, so just gives them a word search. An act of laziness that doesn't really come back around. I sort of thought Steph was going to get some sort of comeuppance for her bad teaching here, but she does not. <laughs> Right, if you're waiting for Steph to get comeuppance for her bad teaching, <laughs> <laughs> you've been waiting a that, very long time. Glorious 26 seconds when Jack fired her. <laughs> 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 so uh, in Eddie's class, uh, Kyle is in there and he's doing the classic, what do you actually need maths for bit, which I feel like is a rite of passage for every teenager. <laughs> <laughs> And um, Eddie, he can sense the worry that he's worried that the great maths con is being rumbled by <laughs> Kyle. The, the suggestion is that Kyle is clever enough to be the one who's worked it out. <laughs> <laughs> and they do this a lot. And I don't really get why they do it. But sometimes when kids are talking, they just stand up and walk around the room. Yeah. I don't like no kid would do that. Yeah, they, they did it with Earl Kelly quite a lot. Yeah, it's just like I'm presenting to the room. Yeah. But yeah, I'm fully on board with Kyle. He just comes in and he's like, you know, Eddie's there in the pocket of big maths. <laughs> it's got big Lewis Seddon, vote for me and I'll get rid of maths energy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only time the writers ever dish, like, go out of an English class is so that they can be in a maths <laughs> class where someone says maths is pointless. <laughs> yeah, that, that's about the size of it. Um so uh, he begins to sort of bond with with Sam Kelly. Um, we see in the corridor, uh, Marley sort of smiles at Flick and, and Flick's angry at him to Chloe because Flick and Chloe are now immediately best friends. For the last couple of weeks, we've seen them together. It's, it feels like Janice and Bolton all over again. <laughs> Yeah, they're it's just like trying to if, Yeah, if they show it to us, that makes it so. <laughs> I think it was because like wasn't Chloe like revising for something, and then Flick we know is a clever person, and therefore yes. that means I've revised and now I've started hanging out with the smart people. Yeah, because it used to be that she was friends with Maxine, and Maxine well, and, you know showed her coursework websites that were fraudulent. Whereas yeah. you know, we all know what happened there. <laughs> just entirely because of the coursework. So be good, for goodness sake. <laughs> Whoa. I think Chloe just enjoys being with Flick because Flick's relationship problems are so small fry. Like, <laughs> compared to hers. But I don't know where I stand with Marley. And she's just like, I used to stand in court yeah. with Dante. Even, even when it's all revealed that it was about money, Chloe probably is Chloe's still like, well, you know. <laughs> You've never had to stand in the witness box. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So uh, Kim goes into Eddie. Eddie's trying to deal with the paperwork for the Traveller Kids. Kim's on this crusade about Janice. Uh, she's worried that Janice is going to start a trend for adapting the uniform and, you know, making enormous ties and things like that. And she starts marauding around, putting up signs like Umbridge from Harry Potter. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Ed, Eddie says, do what you got to do. And Kim gives the knowing smirk of someone who's ready to go full Abu Grabe. Yeah. And that's what it's... <laughs> In this show, that's what it is. It's Eddie gives someone permission and then suddenly the school turns into Abu Ghraib. That's what happens. You feel like whenever Eddie gives someone the go-ahead to do something, you should just go, not Abu Ghraib. <laughs> it's a scale. Some, yeah, somewhere between where we are now and Abu Ghraib, but not that end. <laughs> in the middle. In the middle there. Um, so Paul, Paul's terrible day continues. He's minding his own business in Grantley's class when... An enormous torrent of water just pours onto his head. 
again, this this has no payoff, but like that whole storyline has no payoff. It's just Paul gets wet and he has the most ridiculous line ever where he looks at his waterproof jacket and angrily shouts, this cost a fortune. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's waterproof, Paul. <laughs> the thing is, though, anything that claims to be waterproof is only at best a little waterproof. <laughs> you know, can't jump in the Pacific wearing it. <laughs> But um, I have a problem with the pool continuity in this episode, and it's continuity that happens quite a bit throughout the next couple of episodes. So Paul gets soaked, right? He's wearing his jacket. He gets soaked. In an upcoming scene, Kim brings all of the kids with speaking roles into a room and informs yeah. them of all the <laughs> uniform rules, in which case Paul is wearing his full regular uniform, totally dry, and he then changes as Kim says. And then later on, we see Paul not wearing that, but instead wearing tracksuit bottoms because of how wet he got. <laughs> it's almost like this episode is several storylines that they filmed <laughs> weeks apart and then went, oh no, we can't fit it in this one. Let's put it here. Let's put it here. Um, so uh, Grantley looks up at the hole in the ceiling and immediately suggests that the, the travellers have taken the lead off the roof um, in the weekend they've had before the school started on the Monday. It seems to think this is a bad thing. Like, if, if I knew someone who was going around stealing lead, I'd say what they know that I don't. Because lead is good <laughs> for, like, you know, lining walls and protecting yourselves. I don't, I, I just, I don't get where the jump came from to being like, oh, there's lead missing on the roof. Well, he doesn't, it's, like, no one goes it's, to it's inspect like a, it. It's, this... like a stero- it's like a stereotypical thing, though, isn't it? Oh, there's a traveller site nearby. Watch out, they'll nip the lead off your roof. It's like a stereotype. Oh. Yeah. See, the, where I came from, the stereotype was tarmacking. Mm. wasn't nicking the lead off my roof. We, yeah, don't, we didn't have lead-lined roofs in the <laughs> south. <laughs> nicking the solar panels off the roof. <laughs> <laughs> they've been up, start, they've, they've stolen from my parsley farm. Yeah, they've had three of me hanging baskets. <laughs> I don't know why so, it's bad that the South didn't have lead. Like lead poisons you. Lead-lined roofs are not good. <laughs> Look, I have to do my requisite bit of class warfare every week. It has to happen. It's what the listeners tune in for. Um, so uh, uh, Kyle is now in uh, an English class with Jasmine. Um, he performs this poem, which he's improvising, um, and uh, it, it, it wows both Sam and Jasmine. And they basically anoint him the next Byron <laughs> right there in the uh, in the class. You know what? I have I have no problem with this boy or his family being traveler community from the traveling community, but him reciting poetry out loud, unprompted to a group of people makes me think he should be arrested and kept there for a very long Look, time. At least he didn't recite it while playing a keyboard to the tune of Hole Again by Atomic Kitten. Like, it <laughs> could have been worse. That's all I'm yeah. saying. But, like, you know, I, I don't stereotype, and I don't prejudice unless you recite poetry unprompted, at which point, <laughs> Abu Ghraib with you, sir. All bets are off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as you alluded to earlier, Kim has called in this random group of, quote, students we know um, <laughs> to, to be, you know, attacked for their uniform. During which Paul is wearing a dry uniform. Yeah, and uh, Alicia and Danielle do what they do and go, this isn't going to happen, we're going to do a campaign, <laughs> which is basically there. I've, uh, I've missed Alicia and Danielle's human rights stances. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they they have a go at Janice and then they decide they're going to hatch this plan. That if if Miss Campbell wants us all to be clones, we're going to be clones, but clones of Janice. Yeah, intelligence maybe. Remember when they were brought in because they were clever kids? <laughs> I did like Jack, Jack Rimmer lost his Waterloo job. Road does to, this is what Waterloo Road does to kids. <laughs> Jack Rimmer lost his job to bring those girls to that school. <laughs> it really mad maddens me that they are now so willfully stupid all of the time because they were supposed to be the clever children. You were the chosen one. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, uh, Chloe uh, chews out Marley over over Flick, um, and then Flick then tells Marley to stay away. And I'm just like, why won't you tell her, Marley? For goodness sake, we've I... been through this the last few weeks. There's no reason for him not to tell her. There is there is no downside to Marley <laughs> telling her that. 
No. Paul uh, goes up to Kyle in the, the, the sort of playground area, uh, demands money from him for his tracksuit, <laughs> calls him a thieving skag, um, accuses the traveller lad of having stolen his phone. Um, Grantley is there and immediately assumes that that's true and that has happened. There's an interesting little bit where Sam threatens Paul with Earl. It's like, as soon as Earl gets out, I can get him. As soon as, like, Sam, don't play the murderous brother card. <laughs> Exactly. He's killed once and he'll kill again. <laughs> he kills on command. There's lots of emphasis on the word skag in this episode. Yeah. Is that a, is that a slang term that you were familiar no, with? No, I don't think so. Because I only know it because it's the name of a monster in the Borderlands video game series. And this is no, pre-Borderlands, so I'm not sure if... Yeah, I think it's just a general word for an unpleasant person. No. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a specific slur. Um, so at this point, uh, Marley goes to tell his mom about the grubby deal he made with Ralph Mallor. Um, he says, you know, it was while we were evicted and we, we had to get hold of a place. Um, Marley then blames his mom, um, calls her a crap mom, which I feel is uncalled for. She tries her best. She's been trying to like, we, we, you know, we've known her for 12 or 13 weeks. Yes. He's known her for 16 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, Rose uh, slaps Marley. Um, uh, she then goes and asks Candice if she can borrow some money um, from the business at first, and then from Candice herself. She says, uh, "Candice says I can't do that." And then we see um, Rose on the phone uh, yelling at her bank. I, the, I don't think the Marley and Rose storyline particularly works in this no, episode because it, it feels too bolted on. And it feels like a bunch because the whole episode feels like a bunch of little stories stuck together. And I think the Marley and Rose thing needs more time. But yeah. also, why do they need the five thousand pounds? Like there seems to be some assumption that for him to have Flick back, he they need to pay him back. But there is no there is no possible way that he can enforce getting that money back. No. <laughs> There isn't because what's he gonna do? Go into his own police station and tell his own detectives he paid a 16-year-old well, off as, to stop. As, as indeed we find out, he's got no recourse to getting that money back. Like, there's no sense to it. Like, just someone needs to apply a sense then and go, hey, we can just keep that money, keep living our lives. You can go back to Flick, and then what's he gonna do? Tell his daughter that he tried to buy her like chastity from Marley. It turns out that's exactly what he does. <laughs> You're skipping ahead an episode, Tom. Stop spoiling it. <laughs> and or like try to I just there's I don't any minute of logic tells people that you can keep that five thousand pounds because he's got no right to come and get it back. There's no there's like there's no contract signed here. No. Um okay so at this point that an already weird episode goes fully buck wild. Um so Eddie is in the middle of this football cage, just weirdly cradling a football like a man who's never held a football before. <laughs> um, so because it's about football, he's brought Tom along. So Tom shows up um, and Eddie immediately brings up the 1914 World War One Christmas Day truce where they played football together and suggests that this is the way to solve the, the traveller slash Waterloo Road tension. It's like, it's just... That sight of a man holding a football invoking World War One. I. I didn't know if it was an episode of Waterloo Road or a middle-aged man's emojis in his Twitter bio. <laughs> <laughs> I love love Aston Villa and I hate cancel culture. Big up the troops. <laughs> that is Eddie at this moment. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All he does is live tweet boxing fights. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> yeah, and 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 bait snowflakes in the Metro comment section. Um, so uh, Tom laughs at Eddie rightly says it's a bit of name calling not World War One. Um, Eddie nonetheless presses ahead and he chooses to segregate the new arrivals as he calls them from Waterloo Road because this will solve all the problems um, there's a again there's continuity so Rose is somewhere like, outside her bank and then she goes to buy alcohol yeah. And when Eddie announces the football match in the lunch hall, presumably over lunch, Rose is there, <laughs> just in the background. 
That's like, do all of these people like warp through space and time? Is that like, because Rose, it's, the, yeah. the one in the lunchroom's not actually Rose. It's a sort of sort of stuffed thing she's put there. <laughs> uh, and then you, we get one random shot of Davina in the lunchroom. I, I've written that down <laughs> just to show she's alive. <laughs> <laughs> she's not in Tom's floorboards yet. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a whole, there's an essay to be written about what's happened to Davina in the last few episodes and the subsequent few episodes. I, it's, I'm, I'm getting very, I think I'll talk about it more in the next episode about yeah. how we got into this place. But yeah, I just, yeah, I don't um, enjoy it. So while all this has been going on, the girls have been in the bathrooms stuffing toilet roll into their bras so that they look more like Janice. Um, we get the song Mistress Mabel, which is another great tune. As the, the the girls all swagger around the school, showing off their uh, Janice clone policy. Do you, I I felt like there was one too many shots of teenage girls' chests in this episode, and by one too many shots, I mean one. Like, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, there was a shot, <laughs> but, but like they did it with Janice when she came in, and like again, the caveat here is that most of the actors who play the characters in this are older. And they say, but either way, there's still quite a few close-ups on the, you know, the 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 parts that they want to be showing off. Like you can make the point, you can say they've gone in, they've stuffed their bras without having to do a close-up on all of these chests. I was kind of thought because it was like an unnecessary thing for them to do. Maybe I was overthinking it, but I was just like, I don't really feel comfortable with this. Um, but then we get quite a sweet scene where Sam and Kyle uh, are sat together and. Um, they they have a kiss and she's been eating pickled onion crisps and it's just quite pure and wholesome and I really quite liked it. I have big sympathy for the traveller boy who fell in love with the first girl who spoke to him. <laughs> That's, I've been looking for a character to relate to on this show. <laughs> for four four series now and that's that's the one (laughs) so they have the whole school to choose from for a -a five-a-side team and somehow philip's in the team (laughs) no they don't have the whole school to choose from they have (laughs) children with speaking roles to choose from and none of the girls who have an established football team no 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 are, are selected no, there is there is a reference that Sam makes to Kyle about them having a boys football team as well, but we don't know whether any of the players we see are from that football team. I think they are because when they did that, you know, big powerful moment for women everywhere, where they got rid of the girls' football team and replaced and they them with the boys one. And they became cheerleaders. <laughs> Bolton was in the football kit, right? But Bolton is just all round action man. It's just like if you need a male character in a scene, yeah, they'll yeah. just place Bolton there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so uh, the travellers are a player short. Um, so uh, Denzel Kelly uh, joins their team. Um, quickly, uh, Kyle puts the travellers in front, and they're, they're doing really well. And Eddie says it's a good old game of footy. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, he's just—he <laughs> is. He's David Cameron pretending to support a football team in it. Yeah, exactly. He's it's my like team, Rachel... West um... <laughs> West Tower Villa, West Villa. <laughs> It's definitely Claret and Blue. Might be Burnley. Not sure. <laughs> Whichever one working men like. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like Rachel when they were bowling the other day and she was like, I'm going to kick your butt. <laughs> I'll kick your butt, sir. That's a good old game of footy. <laughs> um, so uh, quickly it starts to get a bit nasty. Bolton clatters into Denzel. Um Sam takes his place on the team uh, and immediately scores a pretty solid free kick, I have to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the wall wasn't up to much, but she yeah. saw the opportunity, she took it. Yes. James Ward-Prowse-esque. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the thing that I like, you know, of all this, I know Bolton takes out a child who's a good four years younger than him, <laughs> um, but the thing that I found most disgraceful is the Travellers go 4 nil up really quite quickly Bolton scores what is that best a consolation goal and he really <laughs> celebrates too hard you know um, so some of the like when I played some of the best goals I ever scored were in like seven two poundings <laughs> but like you know I just you know you wave it off I didn't score many goals you know one of them was lovely 
pushed the guy back off, turned, popped it in the top of the net. Wonderful. Did I celebrate? No, we were getting bladdered. <laughs> all, all I can think is, is Gavin and Stacey. Did you celebrate your goal? Yeah, chest it down, <laughs> swivel, rifled it, right in the stanchion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the football, the, there's some strange stuff here where violent things keep happening in the football that everyone is watching and somehow they don't see the things happening. <laughs> in the last 20 minutes of this episode makes no sense. They're like, we so, have no idea who started it. It's like, yeah. Everyone knows who started it. Like the, there the were football, dozens of witnesses. <laughs> the football devolves into this violent scrap and apparently no one saw it, even though everyone saw it. Um, yeah. I just like the fact that like Eddie's like this football match is going to bring everyone together. Yet he insists on calling their team the Travelers. <laughs> <laughs> just call them United. Just call them something else. Just go <laughs> the Waterloo Bros. <laughs> <laughs> Another um, rejected title for the name of this podcast. <laughs> um. So. Uh, while all this is going on, uh, Rose has turned up back at school and she's clearly drunk. She's uh, She's been drinking vodka. Um, Candice finds it. Um, Rose is already a bottle and a half down, so she's really going some. Um, uh, Tom's there. Does Candice go and get Tom? I don't know. Is it clear? I don't, I don't know. I was still, I, at this point, I was still trying to figure out. Candice says, if you get caught like this, we'll lose business. And I was trying to think of, like, from who? Like, you have the most solid marketplace. <laughs> like, you have a set number of children who come in for food five days a week. Who are you going to lose business from? I, I think it's a northern thing. I think she's saying we'll lose the business, meaning the entire business. Don't Aaron Sork in this. <laughs> I think I think that's what she said. Um, so uh, Candice tells, basically tells Tom to sort her out. <laughs> um, says, make sure no one else sees her like this or as you say or we'll lose business so Eddie Eddie and Kim have been very unhelpful while this is all going on and um, Eddie's snarking at Kim about the uniform thing backfiring Kim's snarking at Eddie about the football thing like I think Eddie deserves more snark as he incited a brawl <laughs> and Kim Kim and Kim through her actions, got women to organise in solidarity and protest. So Eddie's going headlong for an impeachment trial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. While as Kim has inadvertently unionised the children, <laughs> which we know Grantley will love. Yes, yes. Um, so there's a weird bit where Tom forces Rose into the showers fully clothed and just shouts at her until Candice like, intervenes. He was like head of pastoral care like two weeks ago and he's basically waterboarding an alcoholic now. <laughs> just yelling at her like Jeremy Kyle. Okay, you're scum. You're scum. Where are the launch codes? Where are they? <laughs> Uh, Kim has called Janice's mum in. Eddie is busy, so Matt Wilding has to stalk the corridors. Yes, yes. Because heaven forbid anyone goes to reception. <laughs> but the thing is, is like the show is investing so much time in Lawson and Kim, and Matt steals the whole episode with his like just reaction to Janice Janice's mum. <laughs> just those two looks where you just go, oh yeah, everything we need to know is in those looks. Yeah, it's Perfectly done. He's doing a lot with a little. Is uh, is Chris Gear. <laughs> Um, so he um, sends uh, Janice's mom up to Eddie, and there's a weird bit of acting from Neil Morrissey where Eddie is like really uncomfortable talking to Janice's mom about the situation, but it's played so strangely. I think I I found it suitably uncomfortable, and I think it kind of worked because it is it, it's essentially it is a middle aged man telling a woman that her daughter should cover herself up. And like, we know the politics of that now even more than we did then. But even then, it's never a comfortable thing to do. And, you know, there's loads of things about like, mainly in America, because they don't have uniforms there, right, you know, around dress codes. And it's just like, I wore a skirt above the knee and got sent home for six weeks and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think it is like, it's suitably uncomfortable. But I just don't understand why at this point, Kim, who has been leading on all of this all day, doesn't sit and actually make her point <laughs> like she just leaves that eddie who didn't really agree with all of this to begin with yeah to just go like uh 
but it means that um, Mrs. Brian gets a great gag where she goes, what are you, the clothes mafia? Which I thought was pretty good. Um, and then she baffling. was on Twitter. Like I was like, she's going to say Nancy. But it's like, I forget <laughs> that not everyone is on Twitter because obviously it's only on Twitter where you call everybody a Nazi. Exactly. Um, so uh, Janice's mom then bafflingly tells Janice that Kim is jealous of her. <laughs> I'm not sure what the goal is there. Um, so meanwhile, all of the traveller kids have been sent to the cooler while all the Waterloo Road kids have been sent back to class they, while they try yeah. and work out what's going on. I did enjoy when they sent all, because they put all of the children in the same cooler. And I thought, that's not yeah. going to go well. They just, they've all just been beating each other up and now they're going in there. But also there were just some random boys who weren't involved in the football match, just <laughs> yes. in the Waterloo Road uniforms. They just, they just turned up for the fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so they've, they've decided to send all the traveler kids to stay in the cooler and all the other kids back. Um, They've sent poor Davina is sat there. All the traveler kids are going, Why are we being kept, kept cooped up? And Davina's like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, she's struggling to sell this one. Um, but don't worry, Eddie has the solution. He sends Grantley in. <laughs> uh, it's like Eddie says, Keep your vitriol to yourself. And you're like, Oh, Eddie's noticed it. And then, and then, like, next moment. Kim says, I don't like segregating him. And Eddie just goes, you caught that language to make us sound like right-wing bully boys. And I was just like, oh, Eddie, you'd done some good work about eight seconds ago, and now <laughs> yeah. you've just... And then he's like, oh, did you hear that? Calm. The school is calm. He's like, all we had to do was imprison all the travellers. <laughs> the school is calm. <laughs> so uh, then Denzel finds Eddie on, on the stairs and says, it was Paul that started the fight. We all knew that. We all saw it. We all they should have seen it. it they happen. were there. <laughs> they were there. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie was too busy looking at the video assistant referee. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to send him to the screen. He's got to send him for a look. He's got... <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That whole Those two hours passed because we were waiting for a VAR decision. <laughs> <laughs> So, one of the, Tom Clarkson was just like, "Well, if I've got to spend this long getting the lines out, it's just not, it's just not worth it, is it? It's killing the game, killing the game, killing the game." <laughs> Fans can't react in stadiums anymore; they just have to wait. So, um, Eddie quizzes Paul about this. He asks Paul if he ever found his phone. Paul says no. Eddie calls Paul's phone, having got his number from somewhere, um, and doesn't feel appropriate. I don't think my school had my personal mobile number. There is no hope <laughs> in hell of a school having your personal mobile number. I'm pretty confident they didn't. Um, but who does Paul live with now? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Yeah, because who, who would he have to have asked? Would it have been his carers? I guess. I still don't think that's appropriate. No. Um, so obviously... The phone rings and uh, Eddie realised it was never stolen uh, to begin with. Paul is just a sausage-based supervillain. Um, <laughs> he took my sausage. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, Eddie goes to talk to Kyle's dad, says he's read one report about how brilliant Kyle is and now wants him to stay at the school. Um, we go full. This is This is where the show gets to the heart of British culture. We go full the worthwhile immigrant about Kyle. Yes. Oh my gosh, don't we? Yes. It's, oh, he's talented. That means he deserves a chance. Not, yes. he's Water breathing. Has an Australia-style <laughs> points-based system. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's not, he's breathing, so he deserves a chance. It's, yeah. oh, he deserves a chance now that we know he's talented. Yeah, exactly. Like, forget the other seven of them. <laughs> oh yes, screw those. Sausage, <laughs> sausage stealing. <laughs> Skate them out of here on the lead They took off the roof <laughs> I'm really annoyed we never find out what happened to the lead on the roof You can improvise a poem You stay <laughs> I'm gonna. Not only do you stay but I'm going to go and sort out your housing For you I find that like Again I, I get, The show Is more progressive on this kind of topic Than a lot of people are right now But the idea is like People choose to be travellers. It is a that's lifestyle. What Kyle, that's what Kyle's whole poem was about. Yeah, it's their way of living. It's how they choose to live. And they're entitled to make that choice. But at the first wink of him being able to recite poetry, Eddie's able to talk his dad into giving up the traveller lifestyle he's probably yeah. had his entire life to get a house in, no offence, Rochdale. Yeah. <laughs> 
but, but Kyle's all down for this. Eddie goes and speaks to him, says sorry for the way he's, his day has been. Um, Kyle says, ah, oh, Waterloo Road is kind of cool. Maybe I will come back. Um, but I wasn't bothered by any of this because there was a Flick and Marley scene and Marley told Flick he loved her. Oh. <laughs> and I've just written romance, exclamation mark. That's... <laughs> No, no, Waterloo Road deserves a special one. It's called Believable Romance. Uh, <laughs> I was really like distressed by the fact that when they do that, a song starts, it's, and I'm pretty it's sure high, it's High by Feeder. Yes, but it's also <laughs> Wonderwall. Like the first few notes that are played are just like it's Wonderwall, and then it goes to some other song, and I was like, I am so confused. You were worried they were going to start singing it in French again, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> To turn that's, like, that's, like, that's like twice in this episode I've referenced like series one. I'm, I'm <laughs> naive belief anyone's still listening. There's no word, there's no French word for backbeat. Yes. Um, so uh, Tom and Candice give Rose some details of uh, AA meetings. Um, she's resistant to begin with, but uh, eventually she agrees to go. She tells Tom, you can't even tell Davina about this. And, and he reluctantly agrees to keep the secret. They, they plant another seed in the Tom and Rose love story they're building up because Tom agrees to do like the amazing, Herculean task of keeping someone's alcoholism a secret. Like That's the whole point of the meeting that she goes to, is that it's a secret. And the show is just like, he's doing this big... Yeah, the the second A stands for anonymous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's doing, he's doing this massive thing for her and keeping it a secret. It's like, no, 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 that's what you're supposed to do. Those are the rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a scene in the, the girls lose between Carla and Janice. Um, they have a bit of a, a discussion... And, and Carla asks Janice if her implants are making her happy. And the, the thing here is what they've done is they've used Carla because they want to pose a really judgy question, but they know they can make it not sound judgy if they have Carla say it. Yeah. Use, use the I, character of Asperger's exactly. as a prop for your moralising. Yeah. Um, and again, it just kind of serves to shame anybody who gets a best augmentation. Yeah, so that whole scene, because before Carla even comes in, Janice is like looking sort of broodily into the, the mirror in a way that's supposed to imply she's not happy. Mm. And But that doesn't pay off. It doesn't pay off in this episode and it doesn't pay off in the next episode. No. It's kind of like the show's recent. No one, as much as she tells herself, she can't really be happy like this. Yeah, that's what the show's saying, which I felt, yeah, was was a bit... A bit difficult, you know. In, in an episode where, as we were saying, we've praised it for having a, a more progressive viewpoint than we would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but but not. Yeah. When it comes but to that's about groups. that's about the um, that's about the deserving immigrant storyline, not the women having autonomy on her own body storyline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Eddie has sorted out housing. Uh, goes to show Kyle, but literally as he's talking to Kyle, the, the police turn up and, and break up the the traveler site. Um, uh, Kyle and Sam do like a, a goodbye where he gives her like a ring. Um, they all, all the travelers leave together. Eddie sort of <laughs> has a shout at the police because he's a progressive hero in his Volvo estate. Um, and, and he's then, a people's they, homes, yeah. And <sighs> then he sort of, yeah, because the people from the council are slightly aggressively pulling out a fence, and Eddie's like, That's beyond the pale. Yeah, as if, again, if this happened, there wouldn't be 400 people from the local community cheering them on when they were yes, doing exactly. it. exactly, yeah, that's it. Taking pictures for their local Facebook page. So we see Rose uh, go to the AA meeting. She sort of considers backing out, um, but <laughs> looks mournfully at a picture of her kids. And Where Earl to... has been edited into the back <laughs> of it. <laughs> a still of Earl from an earlier episode. <laughs> It's been cropped and stuck in the back of this picture. Um, and then, yes, she goes into the meeting, and that's where the episode ends with with Rose going to the the AA meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this episode's a mess, isn't it? It's just as as you said earlier. I think rightly, it's just so many completely disparate storylines all sort of thrown together because they didn't fit anywhere else. Yeah, like you have you have one full episode on the Traveller community. You can have one full episode on Rose and Marley and Rose, you know, drinking again. And then another full episode on all of the girls protesting all of these kind of, you know, um, 
uniform rules that are brought in, but all of them together doesn't really work. And it's a real mishmash of tones. Like, you know, a woman admitting to herself that she's an alcoholic is a big emotional step and it doesn't really work in an episode where you have children fighting in a football pitch. Let's give it one scene of her being soaked in a shower while a man yells at her. Yeah. And then that turns, turns her life around. I don't think he's not. He's he's literally waterboarding her. <laughs> we, we've all had like you know we've all got drunk and had a sit down shower and you know after like two minutes you can't breathe under there because the water's just like in your <laughs> face too much. Um. So then we get the next time trailer. Um. There's a, a, a strange man taking pictures outside the school. Um. Kim confronts Philip about sex. Um. It all comes out about Ralph and the money. Um. And then there's a shot of. And it hurts me to even say this. Flick kissing Philip at a party and leading him upstairs by the hand. And listener, let me tell you, I screamed. Um, <laughs> you all probably heard it. <laughs> yes, you heard a yelp of anguish coming from Greater <laughs> London. <laughs> that was me going, no! <laughs> at the prospect of Flick and Philip. Flick, Flick lip? <laughs> No, it's not made that happen. <laughs> Flip. <laughs> Flip. No. I'm a bit disappointed that him being called Philbo hasn't stuck a bit more. No. Mm. I'm just... I, I don't know whether it's like eight months of lockdown, but I'm kind of... All of my emotional investment is in, in Marley and Flick working out. <laughs> every, every grade of it. Like I, I, I would give for nothing else right now. <laughs> like delay my vaccine by another three months if it just means Marley and Flick can be together. I, I donate my vaccine to the love these two share. Um. So yes, that's as as we've said, a very chaotic episode of um of Waterloo Road. Um, we've got quite a choice, I think, for, for, for playout songs. Do you have a preference? No, I don't like the music anymore. I feel like this was the point in my life when I started listening to My Chemical Romance and, like, pop-punk music, so I'm really not familiar with this anymore. <laughs> I had my, like, razor-like killer's snow patrol phase, then I morphed into being a My Chemical Romance guy. <laughs> You'll so, be ho- hoping for Welcome to the Black Parade, then. Just... <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon teenagers will happen at some point. They'll play teenagers. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna go with High by Feeder just because it plays during Marley saying I love you to Flick, and that's a moment we should celebrate. Okay, but as it plays, say I love you to me. I love you. Oh, <laughs> finally. <laughs> <laughs>